Can you all hear me? Now can you hear me? Okay. All right. I'll just... <laughs> are you awake now? All right. Scared you to death, didn't I? I said, these, uh, these things are really nice, but they work best if you clip them to your lip. And so uh, uh, it's, uh, I just, I never know for sure if it's coming out. And uh, are these working? Testing, testing. I don't think they are. Okay. That's where I'm, I'm struggling. I'm try, I don't know how loud it is for you out there because I'm not hearing it here really. But uh, I do want to give you an update. Brother Foster, and I think, I think they've connected with a lot of people, but you know, he had the eye surgery, and we got a report. Uh, they was doing well, recovering well, had some swelling. They put some sort of, some kind of drainage tube, a drainage tube or something in his eye. Um, but that's why they weren't church today. He just, uh, you know, they're kind of recuperating and, and uh, getting the swelling down just to make sure they don't put any strain on that. And, uh, but he seemed like he's doing, doing really well. Got to see them right before he went. Well, I thought it was right before he went into surgery, but then uh, found out he didn't go into surgery for about five more hours. So they had a long wait there waiting. But uh, he's doing pretty well. Be sure and pray for him. And pray for Heather, right? Where did they go? Heather. Yes, uh, she takes off and travels tomorrow, heading back north. I know I checked up there where my daughter is. I'm getting ready to send my wife up there and uh, excited for her to go because it's five degrees up there. And so uh, I'm glad she's going and it's not me. But, but, uh, but she's going to be happy. She finally gets back to where her clothes are. Uh, <laughs> so her suitcase is back up there and she has no clothes. So, all right. Uh, I want you to go to to Mark chapter 8. I want you to go to Mark chapter 8, verse 31. You say, I thought we were read at Luke. We are. We're going to get back to Luke here in just a second, but we're going to look at Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, this, this is uh, kind of really, to me, an amazing uh, passage or um, story as we'll see it play out uh, because it, it, it's just amazing that it even takes place. But it's common for us, and I want us to look at something that the disciples did that we, it's very honestly, it's something that we have a tendency to do. Now, thankfully, I'm preaching to a bunch of people that are here tonight. Uh, so uh, it's really, you know, often when you preach something, you think, well, it, it's really for the people that are not here. But it really is for us so that we can, we can take this truth and stay strong with it. But in verse 31, if you look at it, in verse 31, it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, what does it say? He says he'll rise again. It says specifically now, he says, he tells them, he's with his disciples. Now, he's, where, where they are right now, they're somewhere in Caesarea Philippi, northern region of Galilee, and they're traveling and uh, they're, they're, they're on their way uh, right now. And as they're traveling, we don't know exactly how they did it. But the verse before that, it said he charged them that day that they should tell no man of him. Uh, and then he says that he began to teach them. And so I don't know if he sat them down. I don't know if it's while they stopped to eat. I don't know if they were walking along and he's just talking with this group. Uh, but, you know, probably he kind of stopped and gathered everybody together in order for everybody could, to hear him to teach to teach them properly. But what he was teaching them was just something very, very plain. 
something that was about to happen, the reason he came. He said he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes, and notice this, and be killed, and after three days rise again. This is pretty plain, isn't it? I mean, he just, he's really direct, and he tells them exactly what's going to happen. Uh, now, we're going to uh, look at some more verses. I want you to go to Mark chapter 9, verse 31, uh, the very next chapter, and also it's verse 31. Uh, before we go to that one, I'm going to have a word of prayer, though. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you guide my mind tonight. Lord, I ask you, please, to help us here as a church to empower us, to strengthen us. But Lord, I ask you right now in the name of your son, Jesus, that you build a mighty hedge of protection around this place and the people in it. And Lord, I pray that you would guide our minds and, and strengthen us, the Spirit of God, that's, that you would use the words that I say tonight and use your word to change our lives and inspire us to do more of what you would have us to do, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 31, it says again, it says, uh, for he taught his disciples and said unto them, the son of man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. So this is the second time, a very short period of time. Uh, but now they're traveling south and they're near Capernaum and they're, they're near Capernaum and they've traveled a ways further and now they stop and he's gonna say the same thing to them again. Uh, I guess they understood the old teaching that repetition is the key to learning. And so Jesus is going to repeat himself to them. And a very short time has, has transpired, a very short distance transpired. But and many, I would think, many of the same people, at least we know uh, that the 12 are there. And we know that others actually are there because we're going to find that out later. But, but we know at least they're there uh, and they're there very close to him. But he says very specifically, he taught his disciples and said unto them, the son of man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Now look at chapter 10 and look at verses 33 and 34. Chapter 10, verse 33 and 34. It says, saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. So we kind of know where they're going right now. They're headed toward Jerusalem. And so that's where they've been going all this time. He's saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the son of man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And look at this, very descriptive. They shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day he will what? rise again. So he's very specific again, but this time, each time he gets a little more specific in the terminology. God does in the terminology as to who he's talking to. And so he begins to teach them and, uh, but now he's very specific, specific about how they're going to do it, what they're going to do. They're going to mock him. They're going to scourge him. They're going to spit upon him. They're going to kill him. And then he's going to rise again. Now I want you to go to chapter 14. Chapter 14, and we want to look at verses 26 through 28. Chapter 14, verse 26 through 28. And then the Bible's going to tell us exactly where they are now. And it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered 
But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Now here's four times that Jesus has taken these disciples, whoever they are, uh, above the 12. And I know there's others above the 12. There's some women, and we're going to find that out later. But, but there are going to be people all along with him. He's walking with these disciples. They're traveling to Jerusalem, and he stops and he teaches them. And what he teaches them is he's going to be killed, and he's going to, at three days, he's going to rise from the grave. And he stops a while longer and he says, uh, we're going to teach you the same thing. We're going to go over the same lesson again. And the lesson is, they're going to kill me. And after three days, I'll rise from the grave. They go a little bit further and he goes through the same story. A little more descriptive about what they're going to do to him. And he says, after three days, I'll rise from the grave. The fourth time, though, he takes them and he, he just simply says, when I rise... I'll be in Galilee. Now, there's a reason for that, and we're going to find that out in just a moment also. But you see, it's very clear. Now, how many of you know what's going to happen to Jesus now? Okay. Now, here's the problem. Look at Luke chapter 24 that we just read. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read this. You... By your face, tell me if you're shocked by what you read. Now, here's what it has. It says, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, praise God, it's not there. Amen. But look what it says in verse four. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Now, the word perplexed means confused. You know, if it happened down south, these women said, what in the world happened? (laughs) My goodness. But look at this. It says, and it came to pass, they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, I know the first thing you're thinking, well, wait a minute, those women, maybe they weren't there. Well, let's see. And they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth. And they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? And hello, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He is not here, but is risen. Now look what it says here. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? And he says, girls, don't y'all remember what he said? How is it that they're perplexed? When they apparently, at least one of those times, were with Jesus when he said, I'm, I'm, they're going to kill me and I'm going to rise again after three days. Now look at this. It doesn't stop there because we're not just going to point fingers at the the women. It says this. It says uh, in verse 9, and and they remembered his words. They said, oh, yeah. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. So God's making sure you understand that they're not just talking to any disciples or talking to the eleven. 
It was Mary Magdalene, going to tell us who it was to talk to him, and Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. God's getting real specific now. He says, these are the 12, you know, I mean, the 11 here uh, uh, now at this point. And he says, and their words, look at verse 11, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now, wait a minute, we're talking about the eleven. The 11 that had seen Jesus walk on water. The 11 that seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. The 11 that, that had, had making blind eyes to see. The 11 had seen everything and he walked with them and they surely were up close to him. They were up there. They're his bodyguards, man. They're his guys right here with him when he taught all of them. There's no way those 11 weren't there. Those four times we know at least that he said, this is what's going to happen to me. Now the women go to them and say, the tomb is empty. And what did they say? And their words seemed to them as idle tales. Idle tales, it's a fairy tale. And they believed them not. Does that puzzle anybody? Look at verse 12, it says, Then arose Peter and ran into the, unto the sepulcher. And now, again, God's being very, very specific. He says the eleven. He says these 11, but you know, Peter is first named every time the apostles are named, the disciples are named. He's the first one named. Peter is the main, now he's going to name Peter. And he says, and Peter ran unto the sepulcher and stooping down, beheld the linen clothes, laid by themselves and departed. And look at this, wondering in himself at that which had come to pass. Peter had walked on water with Jesus. Peter had been through everything with Jesus. And he doesn't know what happened. Okay, you're all just staring at me. Does, this, I mean, does that not shock you just a little bit? Did anybody here think, okay, how stupid could they be? <laughs> anybody think, how is it possible that they... How is it possible that they weren't paying enough attention? How is it possible that they could be with Jesus through everything and not get this? Okay, I asked God that, and he told me, he said, you have children, don't you? Any of you have children here? Any of you ever had children? Probably you did, uh, many of you. Now watch this. Have you ever told your child to do something and they didn't hear you? We used to walk out the door and we'd take our six girls, you know, we'd be getting ready to go do something. And by the time they were old enough to have separate chores, that was a blessing. And uh, you go through all six of them. We go down the line and say, okay, we're going to be gone a few hours, girls. And Brooke uh, needs you to wash the dishes. And Ashley needs you to clean that bathroom and get it cleaned up like mom and clean it up. Now get that you know, bathroom cleaned up. And Heather, uh, we want you to go and wash uh, you know, a load of clothes and dry them and get those all folded up, get that, get that taken care of. And then we, we go through the rest of them. I can't remember their names right now, but then... <laughs> but, we go all the way through all this list of girls and we go through and give them all these things to do. And we go out and we come back home and 
and walk into the kitchen and man, all those dishes are all washed and pretty and put away. And we go, I walk into the bathroom and that bathroom is spotless and it's so pretty and I'm so proud. And then I walk down to that laundry room and it's not one bit of clothes been washed, not one bit of clothes dried, not one bit of clothes folded, nothing. And I go over to Heather and I say, Heather, because daddy's a calm, cool, collected kind of guy. And I say, Heather, why aren't those clothes washed? You know what Heather's going to say? Daddy, I don't remember you telling me that. Nobody ever else ever had a kid? And then me being calm, cool, collected kind of guy, I'm going to look at her and say, What? Girl, I looked at you eyeball to eyeball. I was standing right here and I said, wash those clothes. And she's going to, the quivering lip, <laughs> Daddy, I would have washed him if I'd heard you, but I didn't hear you. And I think, how could you not hear me? And then she's going to mess with my mind. Because here's what she's going to do. She's going to look at me and she said, Daddy, maybe you told Amber. <laughs> yeah. You know she's messing with me because she knows I'm going to say, girl, you maybe I did. <laughs> you know, I, I can't remember. Now, the problem is, is hearing, but they're not listening. Guess what? It's not just teenagers and children that do that. They're hearing but not listening. You see, matter of fact, if you were standing there right there when I told Heather to watch the clothes, if we had a, just a special microphone that could have heard me speak to her, this is what it sounded like to her as I said, watch the clothes, Heather. Heather heard, As a matter of fact, if you could have seen behind her eyes with some form of x-ray vision, you would see the words pass right in this ear and they would go right behind her eyes as wash the clothes. Gone. Didn't even slow up. Gone. She was there. And watch this, folks. Let me help you. When you tell your kids, look me in the eye, that don't do you a bit of good. That don't mean they're listening. That means they know how to stare. The, uh, <laughs> man, they, they, they're not hearing it. Their mind's someplace else. They think, surely you're, you're not talking to them or, or you're talking to somebody else or, oh, that's a long way or, or that's some, that, here's the, that man's talking in parables again. They were hearing him, but they weren't listening to him. Now, I want you to hear me tonight. I beg you to hear me tonight. Because this happens in adults and in church also. Any preacher knows that at some point in time while he's preaching, the greatest thing that disturbs you is when you look at a face where you're talking and you know it's going, wash the clothes. And they're like, And you think, man, they've zoned out. They're not getting anything I said. They're done. And worse than that, they are asleep. <laughs> They're gone. Now, the fact is, is that 
That's what happens to us. Now watch this. Here's the great danger when we don't listen. And I'll give you this illustration. Give me, you don't mind stories, do you? I have a tendency to tell a few. But this is really not a story. It's kind of an illustration, but it's an illustration that didn't happen, but it's what should have happened. You see, I believe, going back to you know, my always, I look for the facts, I look for the evidence, and in here, Jesus not only tells them he's going to die, but three times he tells them very specifically exactly how long it'll be before he arises. Now, wait a minute. He could have just said, they're going to kill me, they're going to bury me, I'll rise from the grave. And you say, okay, we get the point. You're going to rise from the grave. And that's the important thing, that he arose from the grave. Amen? He arose. Up from the grave, he arose. But Jesus didn't say, I'm going to rise from the grave. He said, three days. After the third day. Why is he so specific? Why would he tell those disciples so specifically? And I believe with all my heart, there's why. Because he wanted them to be there. What do you think or how you think it would have affected the disciples if they had all camped and watched Jesus come forth of the grave? I can help you here. I don't think Peter would have ever said, I go a fishing. I don't think six others would have ever gone with him. I think it would have, when they saw the greatest sight in all of creation, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, people say, and I believe, took more power because more power fought against it than anything else. The greatest power in all of creation, all of eternity, was Jesus Christ coming forth to the grave. And he said, I'm, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in three days. I believe he wanted them to be there. And what, what should have happened is when Jesus was crucified, they should have been brokenhearted. They should have been devastated. should have been weeping in tears. But oh, it should have been John and Peter and the other disciples there and there with the, the women and just said to each other, okay, this is hard and watch him suffer and watch him die. But you know, Peter, you're the leader. Get up, look at him and say, hold on, folks. It's going to be okay. They think they've won. The devil thinks he's won. But gather together, folks. We're going to the grave in three days because we're going to see victory. And they could have gathered together and they could have waited for a couple of days. And, and I could see Peter, man, he won't even eat for three, three days as he's pacing. He's so impetuous, impulsive. John, that brokenhearted man, he's probably there as he's praising God and he's weeping and he's, he's kneeling down. And, but Peter just pacing, waiting for the time to come. And now it's been two days and 22 hours and it's almost time. And Peter says, come on, everybody, get ready. We got to hurry. We got to be there by sundown might be off we got to hurry and then I can see him it's two days 23 hours he said come on now everybody we got a little ways to go now get it together ladies come on women come on honk honk we're going to be late again 
And man, they finally get there. And when they get there, John stands there with Peter. And there's those soldiers at the door, uh, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the tomb, at the stone. There's not been rolled away. And he's there. And that soldiers are there because, watch this now, so amazing. The disciples didn't believe him. The disciples didn't listen to him, but the world did. They said, he said, he's going to rise up. My goodness, the people with him didn't pay attention, but the world paid attention. And so they, they, they're there and their soldiers are there and Peter and John would come and I could see John, that kind-hearted man, say, Peter, you better go tell them what's about to happen. Tell them they need to move. And I could say, Peter, say, no, I'm not telling them anything. And I can say, John said, no, Peter, don't be that way. And Peter finally said, all right. And he walks to those soldiers and says, hey, fellas, if I was you, I would move. I'd move. And those soldiers look at Peter and say, nobody's coming in here. And that's when Peter would lose it. And he'd say, you knuckleheads, what I'm trying to tell you, nobody's coming in. Somebody's coming out. And he walks away and says, John, I tried. And I don't know if it really happened. And I don't know how it happened because we know the stone didn't have to roll away for Jesus to come out. It had to roll away so that we could see that he came out. But at some point, it could have been, boom! Did that scare you? The uh, stone rolls away, the soldiers fall on their faces. And all of Jesus' disciples be just like us, some with hands raised, some with tears running down their face, some falling to their knees. Because here comes Jesus with all the Shekinah glory of God. And they saw it. Now here's the problem. They missed it. They missed it. They missed everything. The, the greatest sight that could have ever been seen. They missed it. What if it was us and we had the opportunity to see Christ arise from the grave and because we didn't pay attention, we missed it? You ever, you ever had something where you started to go someplace, you started to go to a ball game and say, I don't know, I don't want to waste time there and, and you just don't do it and other people go and, and then it turns out to be some quadruple overtime crazy thing and, and people come to you and they go, oh man, you missed it. And you think, good night. The one time I decide not to go. Can you imagine that being the resurrection of Jesus? Well, it's two things, the truths really that I want to make in this. One is that the same Jesus has said that I'll rise again. He said, I'll come again. He said, I'll rise again, and he did. He said, I'll come again, and he will. And Jesus has been saying from his word, I'm going, I will come again. He's been saying it for 2,000 years to us through the word of God. 
He's been saying it, but how much of us do we really believe it? Because if we really believe it, let me help you folks. If the Christians of this, this area believed it, this place would be jam-packed and people looking in the windows tonight. If we really believed it, there'd be things that, that honestly, we'd quit questioning God about and we'd just go ahead and say, okay. Because Jesus may come tonight and I don't want him to catch me doing this. If we really believe, but, but the problem is we struggle with it. It's like, well, I know he said it, but. And we're going to miss it. Well, he said, no, I'm saved. I won't miss the, 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 the snatching away. I won't miss that. I understand that. But we might miss the well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we're not ready for his coming, then some, honestly, are going to hold on to works and hold on to church membership and hold on to baptism and hold on uh, to, to being good to people or going to church. People, some are going to hold on to that, and the truth is Jesus is going to come back, and they're going to miss it. Now that's number one. Jesus is coming back just like he said he would rise from the grave. He said I will come again. And he rose from the grave just like he said, and he will come again just like he said. But there's another truth for Calvary tonight. And that's this. I don't know. I don't know the future. I don't know next week, much less next month. Or next year. I don't know. But God does. The simple truth is, is if we had 38 years ago in a dorm room through a Gideon's Bible, I trusted Christ. I listened. That was the very first time I ever heard the gospel. Heard it, read it. That's the first time. And when I heard it, read it, I received it. 33 years ago, God called me to preach one night in a service. And honestly, I, it was, I didn't even know what God was saying to me. There was a missionary preaching. His name was Jimmy C. White. And I don't, never heard him again. I don't even know what he preached about. But God tore my heart out that he wanted me to use me. And I walked forward that night and said, God, you have me, whatever you want me to do. Over the next couple of years as a police officer around this area, I would travel little churches around in Arkansas and in Mississippi and here in East, uh, West Tennessee. And I would go to some little churches and, 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 uh, and I would preach and, and they would hate it. And uh, it was terrible. <laughs> but I would do it. Had no clue what I was doing. But I said yes. 31, 32 years ago or so, I, God called me to go to Bible college on a Sunday night just like this, and God spoke to my heart. And Monday morning, I resigned my job, and Thursday night of the same week, we took off and we left to a place we'd never been before. You say, why is that so important? All I can tell you is if I had not listened, I would have missed so many things. I would have missed seeing girls reared up for God. I'd have missed leading my dad to Christ. 
as I had the opportunity three months after I went to Bible college, they taught me the plan of salvation and three months later I was able to win my daddy to Jesus. I'd have missed that. I would have missed working with military boys at Great Lakes Naval Base and over the course of almost 20 years seeing somewhere in the vicinity through soul winning and in the outreach and everything that we did, about 40,000 of those boys trusting Christ. I would have missed seeing my children, all six of them marry young preachers and serve God around the world. I'd have missed it if I just had not listened. But there's something that's very, every major decision I made, except my salvation, everything after that, I made in church. It was a Sunday night, 1982, January, about this time in January, when God spoke to my heart to go to Bible college. And I didn't know what a Bible college was, and God said, will you go? Let me read this one verse to you, John. Well, it's actually two verses. John chapter 20, verses 20 and 20, 24 and 25. It says, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas missed seeing Jesus because he wasn't there. Say so it was just one night of church, but he wasn't there and he missed seeing Jesus come to the other disciples. And watch it. Except for the grace and the mercy of Jesus, Thomas would have, would have died in doubt. But Jesus being so patient, so merciful, he came back to him again and, gave, and said, Thomas, you want to touch me? Go ahead. If that's what you need. Listen, folks, I'm going to beg you right now for Calvary Baptist Church right now. I don't know what God has. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to beg you to do this. You hang on. You be in church. You be here, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, but if I don't preach to the ones that are here, guess who the people become that drift away? They're the ones that were at one time there. So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what comes in your way. I don't care what comes in your life. I don't care what faces you or what, what doubt comes or what adversity or what disappointment comes. Stay in church. Stay in church. Stay serving God. Stay soul winning. You say, why is this so important? Because we don't know the time or the place that some truth, something, some God is going to transfer our lives from something that's said or done that night, that place, that moment. If I had not been in church that cold winter night, January 1982, God wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been there for him to speak to my heart to go to Bible college. And I wouldn't have heard that God speaking to my heart that night. And let me tell you, you say, well, just one more Sunday, maybe he spoke to your heart, but you understand that Sunday he spoke to my heart. I only had to that Friday to get in school. That was the last day of late registration. If I'd waited to the next Sunday, I couldn't have gone. And they even told me, one of the, they told me, the preacher told me then, he said, you go to Tennessee Temple or Howells and College. I called Tennessee Temple Monday morning. I resigned my job, called Tennessee Temple first because I thought if I'm going to go to Bible college, I'm going to Tennessee. I'm not going up north. 
And I called Tennessee Temple, and this is what they told me. Friday's the last day of late registration. Friday's your last opportunity. You can't move your family. You can't do all of this in one week. You better wait a semester. Exactly what they told me. You better wait a semester. You know what I told them? If I wait, I might not go. Because God told me to go. And so I called Howes Anderson College. Anybody knows them or understand this? They put me in touch with Phil Sally. Phil Sally, you got to understand, from West Virginia. And here's what I told him. Here's my situation. Got two babies. I got a house to sell. I got, I, God, I don't even know where we're going. I've never been there before. Never been to a conference. Don't know what this place, I've never been north of the Mason-Dixon line. I've never been north. And I said, what do I do? Here's what he said. You got to be here by Friday. You better hurry up, son. And so I hurried up. And you know what? I was the last person to register January of 1982. At 3.59, I started in the line. They closed it at 4. And three months later, my daddy is getting saved. Three and a half years later, Dr. Howes hired me. And I can't even to this point tell you what God has done in our lives. It's just incredible. Why? Because I was there one night. We don't know the truth. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't know how he's going to move. We don't know. But I'm telling you this. Here's the way to take care of it. Always be there. I know people's getting away from that now because they're trying to have less and less services everywhere and have, but my Bible says that to not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, what, but exhorting one another and so much the more, as it, so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe this is not time to be skipping, this is time to be being. Because if the day's not approaching now, I don't know when it's been approaching. Don't miss it. I used to tell my girls, and I'm done with this, I used to tell my girls that in times of trial, my wife, or you, you know what I'm going to say, come here, Joe. When we were getting times of struggle and times of trial, no matter what came at any one of us, we're going to lock arms. And together, we're going to stay strong. And I'd ask you tonight, Calvary, lock arms. Lock arms. Be there for each other. Be there to pick. You see, the reason we lock arms is because if, come here again, if I get weak, I didn't tell you to sit down. Can't get this woman to listen to nothing. You see, when I'm weak, she's there to help me. And when she's weak, I'm there to help her. And all eight of us, we would lock arms and bless God, we're just going to get through anything. And if all of us right here, even tonight, we just lock arms, we'll get through it. God, is speaking 
and using, speaking to Calvary and using Calvary. Don't miss what he has for the future. Don't miss what he has for you to come. Don't miss for the adventure that he's got for this church. This place, like I believe few others in all of Memphis, cares about the people that are hurting. And my preacher always told me that a man will never want for a crowd if he preaches to hurting people. Let's lock arms and just believe. God's going to do something. He said he would. And we're going to listen. In order to hear, we've got to be there. In order to hear, we've got to keep our ears open. In order to listen, we've got to actually take in what the Lord's trying to say to us. It's kind of a unique message, but I'm just asking you tonight, don't miss what God's got for Calvary. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God's got for your own life, for your family. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir because these are some strong families that you're here tonight. But you know, we've got to lock arms and just decide everybody that needs to be, we've got to try to tell them, come on, grab hold on to this. And we'll all get stronger. And we're going to make it through this. There's, an, there's, there's no trial that God can't get us through. He'll give us strength. He'll give us courage. He'll give us the way. But he expects us to grow through it. And the way we grow through it is by uniting together, locking arms. Thank you, babe. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless the